Early in the morning, rising through the streets, it's Mortal Kombat. Or maybe even morning combat, all right? And it's back with a bang to take over your week. We talk about mornings done right, combat sports, all of the above. Your boy, Brian Campbell from CBS Sports and the State of Combat podcast. And no, that is not Luke Thomas. Mm. He is enjoying right now an Escobarian holiday <laughs> in the nation of Colombia. But he could be dancing yeah. with Mr. Brownstone for all we know, oh, Chuck. You know he is. All right, but to keep the GNR references going, uh, you used to do a little on this show. Right out of the game. And the little wouldn't do it, but the little got more and more <laughs> as the athletics... Chuck Mindenhall, the man in the damn yeah. hat. Yeah. I love what you're doing for us on the show. All right? oh, Welcome back. I'm happy brother. to be back, man. In your seat, too. All right. Well, uh, not only do we love the uh, the viewers, the aggressiveness behind the comments, you can comment live now. And what do we have coming in here from the pollination? Is that Luke Mindenhall or Chuck Thomas? It's ah. a little uh, cross-pollination <laughs> of the combat here. But uh, we're back with a bang in this one, like I mentioned off the top. Please do us that solid. It's the holiday season and subscribe on YouTube. Keep the the combat flowing, despite me butchering the name of the show <laughs> off the top. Chuck, uh, good weekend. You're back yeah. in the seat for the third time. We love yeah. you here. Um, all right. This guy's approval rating is insane in the it's MMA way world. Up here. It's way like up here. like it's tough to compete against. You're basically looking at like to... Joe Silva, GSP, <laughs> the Just Bleed guy, and Chuck Mendenhall. Yeah. No one said a bad just word about the you. Just Bleed. Just guy, below though. that, right there. I don't know how you do it, but it is well done. The iconic hat. Uh, yeah, we got a lot to get into in both the worlds yeah. of MMA, boxing. Hey, Luke's not here today. We might be able to talk pro wrestling just for a little bit. Ah, okay. Just for, just that, for a second I'll listen there, to you. Right? I'll listen to you talk I know you're, you're fired up for that uh, Brock <laughs> Kane 2 matchup coming to a desert near <laughs> Should you. Should be good. Should all be right, good. all right. Let's hit it. Let's hit it hard. Let's get into the biggest headlines of the week. And we start in the UFC. UFC Boston fight night this past weekend gave us a light heavyweight main event with title implications. As Dominic Reyes scores a first-round knockout of former middleweight champion Chris Weidman, in the end, wasn't much of a fight as Reyes did the damage, sending Weidman to his fifth loss in six fights. We'll get to Weidman in a second, but I mentioned off the top here, you're not seeing Dom Reyes in, in Toyo yeah. Tires commercials. This was an opportunity, <laughs> a launching point, to put himself in title contention. Yeah. He certainly, after the fact, made the calls of John Jones that you'd expect did we learn anything new from this performance, though, Chuck, from the standpoint of saying he's ready, he's next in line at 205? I think that's what we learned, right, is that he is ready. I, I wasn't sure going into this. I thought this was a unique matchup, obviously, with Chris Weidman uh, moving up in weight. I, I wasn't sure what form we'd get him in, but I, I go back to that Jared Cannonier When he finished Jared Cannonier, I was like, and, and that begins to look really nice, too, given how Cannonier has uh, kind of uh, started rolling himself. So now he puts this one together in a big moment. And I thought he shined, man. I thought he shined. And uh, if you're, you need contenders in that division, it's all, there's always a dearth of big talent at the top. And I think uh, we finally uncovered the guy to go after John Jones. You know, we didn't learn a whole lot because of the short nature of the fight. It yeah. was basically one prolonged takedown attempt from Weidman. They get back to the feet. And yeah. then it's a short punch right on the chin. But for Reyes, he certainly had questions that I thought he needed answering. Not that he's not good. Yeah. But we know this is a shallow division. You know, you put a couple wins together... Johnny Walker doesn't seem to be ready. They're going to give yeah. you that push. I'm not sure, though, even as impressive as this, this win looked, that I know much more than I did coming off of Reyes' last fight against Volkan Ozdemir, where I thought he benefited True. from getting a decision that maybe he didn't earn. Yeah, he he didn't got taken down that. at will. So from the standpoint of your UFC and the matchmakers, you're saying, okay, we got to do the business. John Jones, Dominic Reyes next. We have a guy with, a, with good size, a good style. What is that Vulcan fight to you? Was it an aberration? Because if, <laughs> if he's taking guys down like, yeah. like it's a nightclub in uh, Fort Lauderdale, just knocking dudes out, easy with Reyes, what's John Jones going to do? 
Well, you would think the John Jones is going to capitalize on that, but the John Jones that I've seen recently is as susceptible as Reyes. I mean, he's fighting not to lose, not to win these fights. I thought he was going to cruise right past, uh, you know, in his last fight with Santos, and he did not do that. In fact, I had him losing in that fight. So I think that just because that version of John Jones was our last look, he looks more right for the picking to me, and, and a guy like Reyes, just given that he's a natural, you know, 205er, and he's he's tall. Remember the big Gustafson, the first Gustafson fight when they were marketing tall and then length and all that. I feel like he could create a few problems in there. So I'm I'm personally sold on it, but it's like the kind of thing where you skew it because you're not sure who else is around. It's really just that he's the most obvious choice at this point. Well, look, this was his first real main event A side opportunity there. I mean, Weidman had the much bigger name, of course, but this was an attempt to showcase him, and he passed that test with flying colors. Yeah. So you got him to give him his due, and I think in some regards, Chuck. You don't really know who a guy is until they actually end up getting in there against John Jones. I never would have guessed that Maheta could give him five rounds of hell oh, yeah. to that level for even from what we saw in the finishes yeah. that Tiago Santos had coming in. I didn't know he could go to that next level. It certainly meshed perfectly, like you mentioned, sure. with John Jones really not going for the finish, maybe not taking him down at the level he could have, or at least uh, as pundits we thought he should have. We're not really going to know, I guess, Reyes-wise yeah. until you see him in there. Had a couple of those performances that really give you those feels that he's got the size, got the volume striking right. ability. Is there any sort of X factor you've seen so far where you're like, that's yeah. it. That's what's going to give Jones issues. Probably the hunger factor, just because he's been gunning for Jones. I feel like Jones is more complacent these days. He goes in there, and you don't really feel the, you don't feel that energy that he had early on in his career. So just being the target for as long as he has, I feel like maybe he, you know, maybe that's an intangible. Um, it must be difficult for him to get up for those types of fights in the end, and so maybe that works in the in the favor of. Reigns I mean, look, Jones bit. was in an interesting spot when he came back from the USADA suspension, yeah. and that he fought what three times in seven months. None of those three, with the exception of the Gustafson rematch, right. really had like a sexy hook to it that no. you have to see. So I get what you're saying in that regard, but you know, if you come at the king. You best not sure. miss. Has Reyes connected so far from, from the standpoint of trying to get Jones' attention? I mean, he's basically referencing Bugar Sugar and the, uh, <laughs> the bad habits that John Jones has had outside the cage. Oh. Uh, is that going to get enough to, to, to wake uh, Johnny up? At this point, it's just like everybody mentions that. You know what I mean? Uh, I don't know. It, it seems like John Jones just shrugs off these things anyway. So um, I don't know. I feel like it's just one of those things for John Jones. If he wants to just kind of keep his legacy rolling, because we have these natural contenders, this is who you want to fight. Maybe I don't know if he's necessary. I mean, he doesn't strike me as a guy who's chasing like the big money fight. He's not going up to heavyweight trying to create like some marquee fight. He's reaching down. He's, he's trying to get down. out of Sanya's. He's attention. reaching down. So uh, I feel like this is kind of a, a suitable guy for him. I don't know how much it moves his needle. All like if he goes in and he just goes right through Reyes. I'm not sure what that does for John Jones other than keep him rolling along. I will say this, though. My excitement level for John Jones Anthony Smith was pretty low at that point, yeah. considering this is John Jones. This is a title fight. True. Same thing for Tiago Santos at the time. I think although, that's the biggest problem, right, is that each one of these has an equal low bar. Well, I, I, I was going to give Reyes credit here. Uh, okay. Even though Tiago Santos exceeded my expectations, you can argue I should have given him more credit coming in. I still think Dom Reyes is going to be an interesting out. Yeah. He's willing to talk trash. He's willing to try to get in Jones's head. Hey, I'm in. I'm ready. Yeah. I'm good. This is and what he's that... had these flashes where he looks really good. So, like you said, I would have liked to have seen a little more in this fight just to get a better gauge of that. But, uh, I mean, he got the job done, and he showed, showcased his power a little bit. So, uh, I'm... I'm game, you know. And the uh, the B-side lead story to this, maybe even the biggest story coming out of this, though, is the fall of Chris Weidman. I mentioned it. Five losses and six fights for the 35-year-old. All five by knockout. Yeah. Now, in his favor, Chuck, 
UFC, for the most part, you're always going to have to go big. These are five elite opponents oh, yeah. that he's faced. These were some fights where he had moments and was doing well and suffered somewhat yep. disastrous sort of bad luck knockouts. But it's still five of six. He did barely anything in this somewhat desperate move up in mm-hmm. weight, talking a big game, coming out there, really didn't able to get to show much but save for a takedown. Um, on a scale from Johnny Hendricks to <laughs> Hennen Barrow, how like rough is this fall to go from champion to now we're straight yeah. up saying, where do you go next? Do you go anywhere next? I like that. I like that, trying to figure that out. I would actually put him closer to Hennen Barrow because I didn't see Hennen Barrow's thing coming. Like, he, he had, what, he had won like a decade streak where he was winning. Uh, Dana White was calling him one of the best of all time. Dana and, told me he was the pound-for-pound pound king, yeah. right? That's what so, Dana said. So now we know Dana always tells the truth too. But so that's a but you know the way T.J. Dillashaw kind of just buzzsawed right through him, and I was, I was shocked, and I, I kind of felt that way. It wasn't exactly like that, but when Rockhold uh, was able to beat Chris Weidman, it had a feeling like that because I felt like I've had Weidman up here. He was a guy that actually, when you talk to him after he beat Anderson Silva, was already talking about John Jones. It was like he wanted to challenge the toughest guys. He had that wrestling base. He had the power. He had the, you know, he's a psychology major, you know, like he, he like so he knew kind of how to play these guys in the lead up. I just thought he had all the elements, man. So to to know that he's been on that kind of spiral, it really is similar to Hinn and Morale after that Dillashaw fight because he just never looked the same. The the big difference I think for Weidman is you watch through your fingers a little bit, and I was doing that with this fight. You just you feel like if he gets hit clean, he's going down. And I hate it when you get to that point. I know? hate it. It's Chuck Liddell flashbacks. It is. And, and it's unfortunate because in some of those fights, like we said, I mean, the Rockhold fight where he lost his title, he was certainly in that and controlled, you know, most yeah. of it. That was a brutal fight that went back and forth at the end. But for a while, he's ahead of that. You go into that Jacare fight, he's winning oh, a yeah. great stretch of that. Even Romero. That's looked, the hard thing. Didn't he have moments against Romero? He did. Mr. He's had, yeah, he's had, he, he's looked decent in most of those fights. This one, you know, it was the only one where I felt like he didn't really offer much in terms of the competition. Problem is, but, with five of six losses, though, we're no longer like, yeah. is it time? I know he came out afterwards and, and he said, look, you know, all praises to God, all this kind of stuff, I'll be back. I don't want him or need him back. So no. do you have any issue with the matchmaking run he'd been on? That there didn't come a certain point after two, three losses in a row where he said, okay, this guy's a brand. He's a former champion. He wants to keep yeah. fighting. Let, let's, let's soften him up a little. You don't always see that in UFC. No. And if he had lost that Gastelum fight, imagine where... I mean, I, I can't imagine. like if Because that's the one reason to give him just the ounce of hope that he's rediscovered some of that old mojo. But He'd be rematching Machida and Delta right yeah. now. Yeah. Right? <laughs> I'm, I'm to the point with you, man. I just You get a little squeamish when you watch certain fighters, the way they get knocked out. And let's face it, UFC 194, man, that was, that was one of those fights where you know it took something out of them. You know it took something out of them. And it's just it's played out that way. I don't like the fights where you you basically are like, ooh, this we might be talking bad, you know, about you know playing the you know the dirge music after this one because I, it just it has that feeling. I didn't like the matchmaking to be honest on this one. I, I would rather if he's making that leap to go against more of a middle division guy who you know maybe he could uh, at least show his offense a little bit. Maybe before this fight, I yeah, would even, have, before, this even before, even because they are monsters, man. Like you mentioned, these are all monsters that he was fighting. I mean, here. it's weird because you could say that UFC did Weidman no favors in this two hundred five debut by giving him a name this big who's on the cusp of a title shot. But yet at the same time, yeah. you know what I said on last week's show? Weidman gets a win over Dom Reyes. He's probably getting a I title shot. Thing. And that's what happens when you become sort of an aging brand and you become sort of that Rich Franklin stay-by-the-phone fighter who can just yeah. fill in in multiple weight classes. But it was just three years ago <laughs> that Weidman and Rockhold were on top of this middleweight division. Yeah. And what, holy crap, a lot can change in a short amount of time. And I both still, guys seemed unbeatable at that moment. You I know? still got that UFC 199 poster in my yeah. office for the rematch that never yeah. happened. And, and then Bisping changed the middleweight narrative. But 
Do you point to anything for, for Weidman? Because now that we're sort of, in my mind, past the point of, of wondering if he still has it, he's just in that sort of Chuck Liddell mode where anytime yeah. someone touches his chin, I think it's over. What yes. happened? How do you explain the wheels falling I off I don't Weidman? know, man. I really don't know. Like some, It just happens for certain guys. I don't know. It, it wasn't like he was taking a ton of damage before. The weight cut was the big issue, right? And especially, like, I think it was, uh, who was he fighting? There was a fight where he had to cut, like, 30 or 40 pounds in a very small window on a yes. short notice type of thing. Um, I remember back then thinking, ooh, this might be bad for his long-term career, you know, that sort, of, that sort of thing. But where the chin thing started happening, I don't know, and I, I wouldn't have placed him in that category, man. It's but just that, it, but man, it When it goes, it, it's It gone. really goes quick. It's, it's absolutely gone. I hate to see it. I'm not going to pile on Chris Weidman here, yeah. but you're going to buy in at all of my theory yeah. now that we are piling on that uh, he never beat Anderson Silva. Silva just lost twice. <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. Come on. All right, bring in the comments. I know oh, they're coming. Man. All right. Stipe never beat DC. You know where I'm going with that. All right, also on this card, Chuck, we had a co-main event 27 days or so after we saw it in Mexico City for 15 seconds when Jeremy Stevens and Yair Rodriguez promised featherweight violence. Almost a month later, they delivered it yeah. in three exciting rounds. Was it sort of worth the wait in the added wrinkles in the storylines that got us here in Boston? Yeah, man. I mean, because no, I was in Mexico City, by the way, for that fight, the first fight that didn't it only last 15 seconds. It didn't have any buzz. I mean, it was just like these two guys didn't really like each other, but nobody cared. They were going in there. And then coming out of it, people cared. So I felt like it did have, um, you know, a nice little added bonus to this fight. There was some bad blood that I think people tuned in to see. And they did put on the show, man. And I wasn't sure, to be honest. I wasn't sure how that was. Like, there were a lot of people who was like, why would you poke the bear with Jeremy Stevens? Why would you try to wake up a guy who's like that? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? And uh, hats off to that dude. Because yeah. he went in there, and he, he, you know, in the second round, it looked like he's done, and he survives. And then that, that gets second, the crowd going. I mean, it's just, it was a fun fight, man. That second round might be the round of the year. Yeah, I agree with discussion you. Anytime, you, you anytime the narrative switches that thoroughly. It's that just dramatically. Like, yeah. And that's Jeremy Stevens' toughness. And even though in a loss, he's 33. My God, what, he's got 16 or 17 career losses. He's yeah. a guy who's on one of those runs where... All elite losses, yes. all going for broke, all being little heathen, yeah. all, all or nothing, bringing fights, the man. hell. 32. Is he over that hill, though, now? Because he had that brief period before the Aldo fight where we're right in those features, you and I, yeah. for our respective sure. uh, brands, saying, this guy's figured something out. I think he's... People people talk about gatekeeper as a negative, right? But I feel like he could, happily, he could be a very happy gatekeeper at this point. I don't really think he needs to go... I don't think he... I don't even think he cares about, you know, the title... He can just try to beat the guys trying to get to the title. I'd be okay with that, and I think he'd be okay with that. So keep him in that range, and uh, I don't think he's going to ascend beyond that. If anything, at 33 years old and that many fights, I'm, I think we're probably starting to, we're going to see the decline soon. I think it was good for Yair Rodriguez's perspective. 27 years old, you know they yeah. wanted him to be something in Mexico and be that big crossover yeah. brand in that community, and he gets a big win here. Uh, Ricky Martin could write the song for him. He bangs, he bangs. We knew that already, though, Chuck. But I feel like he's ready to really make that leap. Maybe not title shot next at featherweight. We got a little, little, little you know, yeah. he's got some big names up there. But are you getting the feeling that he's figured it all out to a, to a better degree? I think so. And have you talked to him recently? Because he's a, no. he's, a, he's kind of a salty dog a little bit, man. Like you saw him in that hotel lobby. He's, I mean, uh, he's, he's different than he was like a couple years ago because I, I thought he was pretty happy-go-lucky, to be honest. But now he's very serious. It's like... He doesn't really talk about it, but something happened in his life where it's it's changed him. Um, he'll he'll allude to it, but he's not really saying what it is. Whatever the case is, I feel like he's uh, there's a chip on his shoulder that I'm seeing come out, and I, I'm anxious now to see kind of how far he does take. I know some people don't really believe in his stock, and I think it really you go back to that Frankie Edgar 
you know, fight. It was and, a humbling loss. Yeah, it's a humbling loss, and people that just stays in your mind when you see something like that. But you know, I, I think he's. I think he was very young, and I think he's. Uh, I think we'll probably see him. Uh, Make a, make I'll a tell you what, if Max especially hang- after that, especially after that last second knockout, man. Well, I want to reference that yeah. because if Max hangs on to the title and look, Volkanovski's a big deal. Ortega's going to be back in the yeah. mix. This is a fun ass division. We already know this. But if Max ends up being there and Yair Rodriguez can get one more big win, yeah. and we can match those two together, that'd be fun. And man. more mature Yair, ready for action here. This is those kicks. I would love oh to see that. my goodness, that's going to be a uh, a hell of a fun fight. And I wonder if he goes continues this run when we look back. At the Korean zombie fight in Denver, the one second to go, elbow dropping up. I, imagine that as a turning point, like where you would say, what would have happened if, but instead it's it, like it, it went down that way. It's like a literal Hail Mary, right? Like you're landing something that pivoted the whole career because who knows what happens if he, lo- he just loses that decision. I mean, we look at Anderson Silva's uh, sub of Chael Sonnen as yeah. an ultimate fifth round Hail Mary yeah. with about, what, a little over a minute to yeah. go. I mean, this was one second left in a fight you're going to lose. I mean, Chavez, Meldrick, Taylor in boxing True. with a couple seconds to go, but like we never True. really see something like that. It's, it's pretty... still, I, when it happened, I remember just sitting there like, that didn't happen. You're, like, you're in disbelief that that happened. Then you're like, did, did that happen before the, you know, the horn? Like, it, it was bizarre. To this day, man, watch that again. It's just, to this day, that is still remarkable that he did that. All right, we want to stay with UFC Boston, but shift gears a little bit. Also on this undercard, we saw the heavyweight, the former NFL lineman, Greg Hardy, much maligned. Back in the cage, another pump-up opportunity, third from the top on the card. Going in there against Ben Sassoli, am I going to nail that correctly? A three-round unanimous decision later turned to a no contest when it was deemed that the inhaler Hardy used between rounds was not pre-approved by the Massachusetts State Athletic Commission. So, Chuck, we got issues here because once again, Greg Hardy. He's like, he's like the trying to do good. <laughs> can't seem to figure out that I shouldn't knee a downed opponent. Yeah. I shouldn't take medicine that's not pre approved. Maybe I shouldn't throw a lady on a bed of firearms. I mean, there's some things in this man's yeah. embattled life that he just can't get right. I'm not expecting you to give me a long soliloquy about how this man's soul <laughs> is dark and he needs to be removed from my TV screen for life. But what does this episode in the UFC run of Greg Hardy tell you about Greg Hardy, the person? My, all right? I don't get to do my solo look. All right. I was in the I, mirror all morning. Wow, wow. Hat on or off during that? <laughs> it's always off in the mirror. Uh, you know, truthfully, man, I feel like he's got that Husamar Palhara saying where you're, you're almost wondering if he's, if he's connecting all the dots. You know what I mean? I, if he just doesn't get it or if, they're, something or like if that. he's a natural but, but it, it goes beyond that because I think even in like, there's a, there's a tone deaf, and I know this goes, extends to the UFC, but there's a tone deaf kind of thing going on. It's almost like defiance, but it's not quite. I don't so think Paharis it, I don't think it makes goes. makes sense. Like, Remember Andrew Galata in boxing? Yeah, it's like, of course. St- stop punching the dude in the balls. Like, yeah. just, just stop it. Stop looking for a way out. But for but Galata. But now it's a pattern, right? Like for Galata, a, it was a pattern of, of maybe some fear, maybe some, some, uh, Mental stuff going yeah. on. What do you think it is with Hardy? Just, just that particular, this particular episode. I'm. It's a little baffling because why would you even? Why would you do that? Like I just, it it doesn't make any sense. So the down thing, like when that Crowder fight, wasn't it? Uh, when he when he got disqualified, that particular one, you're like, okay, this is a guy that they rushed onto a big stage who doesn't even understand the rules altogether. Like he seemed like he was genuinely puzzled, like when that happened. Was so what? Why he was in trouble? And this time, I felt like the same thing. So it's almost like, I feel like he's not playing with the full deck, is what I'm trying to say. I feel, something's, some, there's a disconnect there. Uh... And I feel like we're, we're only at the beginning. If the UFC keeps putting him in these kind of spotlit gigs where he's fighting guys, 
you know, whoever it is. It doesn't matter if they're a big name or not, but he's on these big spots on ESPN or whatever. I have a feeling we're going to keep talking about this because it feels like now bizarre things are going to happen whenever he fights. I mean, I hope we're not getting in that Galata Tyson, Mike Tyson late career run where it's just you're tuning in for the zaniness. But uh, look, Ben Sassoli was who he was. He had rocking a fantastic mullet. The combat I like that, huh? wombat. I don't know if he, uh, I think the guy would drink out of a shoe regardless of a win or loss. But tell me if I'm wrong here, engaging where we are on the Greg Hardy train in terms of his evolution as a fighter. I felt like if there's 30 more seconds in that fight, that the damn combat Could've. wombat seemed to figure Could've. out how to get to that chin, and maybe the gas tank yeah. was empty for Hardy. Did this, did this? What did this performance tell you? I mean, this one was, I thought, a setup for him to just showcase on, right? Like, I thought he was supposed to go in there and just slam dunk on this guy and get out of there, kind of like he did with Juan Adams. But that didn't happen, which then lends you to think, like, who is he prepared for? I wanted to see him against a guy like Todd Duffy or something like that, a guy who's not been around but a, a name that he might be able to compete with in that situation. Um, at this point, I'm not sure, man. I am not sure. I would still, I still think that the psychology behind booking Greg Hardy from the UFC's perspective should be to put doubt on it so that people tune in to see him get his ass kicked. Because right now, the guys they're putting in there are more tailored for him to do that. And that's not really what the public sentiment is on Well, what you're hitting is from the idea of marketing of booking. For, yeah. And when you're staying in that side... It looked like in the beginning, and we talked about this on this show with Luke in the past, where it's like, we're frustrated that we don't know the direction they're going, or even Greg Hardy is going, are you a hero or a villain? Right. Which one are you going? And at times, he's yes, ma'am, and he's going in that direction. But now we have a calculated string here, not calculated, a random sort of string of somewhat heel villain yeah. moments in terms of the marketing. So maybe you're right. Just embrace that side of it. Be that warrior prince, yeah. or prince of violence, or whatever the hell he's calling himself, and just <laughs> just be, be uh, not well, remorseful. If he's going to go banging his chest and saying, like, I'm going to be the greatest heavyweight combat sports athlete of all time, then you've got to start moving him up the, you got to move him so up that, a little that's bit. That's the next right? question. I'm getting a little bored at where we are now. Yeah. I get why he's ending up in the co-main and the third fight on the card, but if it's going to continue to be the evolution at this rate, which yeah. but as a fighter he probably needs, I don't think it's must-see. I don't think it's, it's, it's got that, it's, it's losing weird, that appeal. It? And it's almost like, I think he's had four UFC fights all within about a year span. He's making a ton of money compared to other heavyweights. It's, all, it's almost like the, the deal was, for if he's going to fight in the UFC, he's going to fight on these ESPN cards, he's going to, you know, he's going to make the money, this amount of money in this amount of time. I mean, and imagine you, how pissed off all those other heavyweights are, man. I got I to gotta believe that. And I know a lot of people are getting his side and saying, look, he thought it was clear beforehand, but anyone yeah. you're talking to, referees, Dana White, who's been in this game a while, are like, what the hell is that team thinking? <laughs> Shades know, of Strike man. Force Houston 2010, you remember That's that? Right, King Mo and KJ Newman with the little oxygen canisters there. <laughs> wow, let's put UFC Boston to bed. Yeah. But this weekend, Chuck, we got a pair of welterweight MMA cards, welterweight fights, leading both a Bellator and a UFC card that you simply don't want to miss, can't miss on the Bellator side. It's that welterweight title rematch with Rory McDonald going against two-time champion Douglas Lima, the finals of that Bellator welterweight Grand Prix. On the UFC side, you've got Ben Askren's comeback from that five-second loss to Jorge Masvidal in July when he faces Damian Maya in Singapore Early morning fight, all grappling all the time. But Chuck, I want to start there in the Bellator. I think it's 232 is the card this okay. weekend in our home I'm glad state. Glad you're here. keeping track of the numbers. In our state of Connecticut, our little backyard <laughs> there. I'm, I'm gonna check that out live. You gonna be there? I don't want to tell the people where you are. I mean, I will wait. not be there for this. All one. right, Chuck, yeah. you wake up in a tub uh, without a, without a key organ, <laughs> knowing our listeners putting all these comments on the screen right here. Oh man! But I will say this, Chuck, for me. Need to see this fight. Can't wait to see this yeah. fight. The first one kicked off yeah. 2018 in Los Angeles. It was when Rory McDonald really stepped up for the first time in Bellator, and I believe his second fight with the promotion. Yeah, I believe it was. Wins the title in a five-round unanimous decision. 
But he went through hell. Yes, and he afterwards, did. he basically said, look, this is about the second or third most damage I've taken in a fight. His leg, man. Ugh. We all know Douglas Lima is arguably the best kept secret in all mm-hmm. of MMA. He's been this final in this welterweight tournament, having gone through guys like MVP, having done some big things. What's your gut feeling at where we are now in 2019? It feels like when this fight first happened that these two guys were almost completely different uh, products at that point. It helped that Douglas Lima took out MVP like he did. I thought that that was one of the, one of the cooler things that I kept seeing. You see that highlight a lot, that knockout. I think that might have jumped his stock a little bit, but he's a very soft-spoken guy. You know this. You've talked to him. It's, it's very difficult to get a guy like that um, more shine because they, they, don't, they don't help themselves. He's more of just a put me in the cage and I'll, I'll win you over with my fighting. And I'm, I'm sold that way. I'm in the bubble. I love it. I think that it's, it's fun to watch that guy fight, man. He is, like you mentioned, he is a, a best-kept secret. He's a Bellator guy through and through, which I like. You know, they don't have a ton of guys who are just you associate only with Bellator. He's one of their good ones that I really think that they should be marketing more. Came up the hard way. Yeah, man. back from losses. All yeah, and I, I just, to me, this fight, I, I know we talked a little bit about this before, but when I was watching that first fight live, it felt like you were watching something fairly epic for a Bellator fight. I was sitting there like, man, this is crazy. Um, I hope we get anything like that again. I hope we, we kind of get that. Because Rory McDonald only sealed the deal in the fifth round, right? Like uh, getting that takedown in the Yeah, the fight seem, was seemingly it up was, for grabs. And it was he up controlled grabs, that whole final round. I'd settle, I, I don't want those guys to take a ton of damage, especially Rory McDonald's been through some wars. But I'm like... If we get anything like that first fight, man, that, that's going to be fun. I think when you look at this tournament, and, and kudos to Bellator when they've rolled out the heavyweight Grand Prix, now this welterweight one, they got the 16-man featherweight one coming at us. We've gotten great yeah. fights. We've gotten great matchups. We've gotten great results. If you're Scott Coker and company, and you're looking at the tournament bracket beforehand, and you're going to have Douglas Lima and Roy McDowell, yeah. and it's going to be a rematch of that yeah, great I title they, fight, you're going to be super that. happy. I felt in the moment watching that first one in January 2018 that it was a fight of the year contender. Yeah. That was brutal. Rewatched the second time wasn't as maybe dramatic as I thought, but it was grueling and it was top level yeah. stuff here. Uh, I think we all remember Roy McDonald's left leg. I'm sure he yes. remembers it when he was growing oh, was a brutal, uh, growing a, an object coming out of his uh, his uh, <laughs> shin right there. That poor guy has been through so many weird Here's injuries. Here's the deal, though. Rory used his wrestling so smart in yeah. that fight to. Anytime he was in danger on the feet, anytime Douglas Lima was picking him apart with those big-time kicks, he could take it to the ground, he could rest, he could control, he ends up getting the edge on the scorecards. A lot's happened for Rory since that mm-hmm. fight, and we have to be honest about this. Yes. Seems ill-advised that he moved up for the middleweight title against Musasi, got his lunch handed to him. Yep. Has that fight with John Fitch. Oof. That ends up being a draw. Rory gets the advancement because he's the defending champion. But he didn't look good. He didn't fight good. No. And we all know, of course, the post-fight interview where he questioned whether he still has it, yeah. mentioned his, his deepening Christian faith. So nice bounce back against Neiman Gracie, <laughs> but yeah. I didn't see the Red King. Whoa. I didn't see that killer. And Chuck, you need to be that guy yes, you do. or Douglas Lima's going to figure you out. If I'm a betting man, Lima's the picker, right? If given all that what you just mentioned, that's exactly what you want to know when you're handicapping a fight like this. I'm not sure where Rory McDonald's head is at this point. I know he's fulfilling what he's supposed to do, but I'm not sure how much he wants to be there. I feel like that that's the subplot of this whole thing. He's navigated the field. He probably should beat those guys, you know, to get here. But now he's in this spot. You're like, if he doesn't dig into that, re- into that reserve that we knew from before, that kind of sadistic, crazy, psycho killer dude that he was, I don't think he wins this fight. It's going to be tough. Lima's certainly going to have to keep the fight off of the yeah. ground. He's going to have to be able to dictate the terms of it. Um, so much has changed. Lima's stock only going up. I mean, you can make the argument that he's the best fighter in Bellator pound for pound right now. I'm oh, sure yeah. Pitbull will not want to hear that conversation. But uh, You could make that. Yeah, for sure, man. You can certainly I mean, make that argument. Uh, this is 
the one hell of people flying in with these comments. Pantheon Moon, hey, Showtime, put the Morning Combat coffee mugs in your damn store. Wow, wow, <laughs> what loser told you not to have those mugs in the store? Fire that moron immediately. That moron is our producer, Jay. Mm. Um, I would Hashtag. like, speaking, if anyone from Showtime is listening, <laughs> can we get some damn merch? I love the mug, but can I outfit my kids in a morning combat hoodie? Can I open the show and call it Mortal Kombat again? <laughs> wow, that's a regretful moment there. But thank you, listeners, for jumping in. Uh, that's not the only Bellator fight this weekend. And by the way, Bellator got back-to-back cards. Friday yeah. and Saturday in Connecticut, you're going to get a different Bellator rematch. Mm-hmm. Frank Mirren, big country. Excited. Roy Nelson. Oh. I see. Wow, okay. <laughs> we the people, Jake Hager. For everything be, uh, that that welterweight fi- final is, that's the opposite. Yeah, I, as Jake Hager once said, I'm, I'll flip it, though. I'm not uh, rock hard with emotion. I do not have a phoner at the moment. <laughs> I do need to see, though, this welterweight fight I mentioned Saturday morning on the East Coast time when the UFC invades Singapore for a fight night. It's Ben Askren. It's Damian Maya in that welterweight main event. Askren's got some explaining to do, Chuck. Mm, mm-hmm. Five-second loss to Masvidal. The most viral, ridiculous, dramatic knockout that we've ever seen. What kind of danger is Ben Askren the brand in of taking an L here when you consider, yes, he beat Robbie Lawler. He persevered in that fight. But that's a wacky fight with a weird ending. Persevered is the right way to say it, too. And then he never got out of the blocks against Jorge Masvidal. So we never really got to know what was that fight going to look like. Damian Maya is the perfect opponent right right now for this. For sure. What happens if he takes a hard L, though? I've taken a lot of L's in my uh-huh. life. I'm sure that surprises nobody. I'm back right here. Can he come back? I don't, I don't know, man. I don't know about this one. Because if he loses to Maya, I feel like any of the vitality that he had or the relevancy uh, relevance of coming in undefeated, that was part of it, right? It was like this guy who didn't get along with Dana White. He was undefeated. He's coming over the partitions. Now he's going to face these UFC competitions. A lot of that starts to go away. It starts to erode. It already has with that five-second knockout. So I feel like this is a big moment for him if he's going to remain into that conversation. We know how big is just from the evidence of where Masvidal is after doing that to Ben Askren. It was only because he was Ben Askren that Masvidal gets into this big fight at Madison Square Garden. That's a good point. So he has that still. I think he has to. He's going to have to keep it. But he takes that L. I'm not even sure he would want to continue. I'm, I'm, I feel like he might might just be like, I'm done. I want to get into his mental makeup in a second here, but as things stand right now today, Tuesday, October 22nd, 2019, as we At do this p.m. as we do this special edition on Tuesday this week, this week only, by the way, uh, who has won that trade? Demetrius Ooh. Johnson to one championship, Ben Askren coming back this so, way. Is it a wait and see for Saturday morning? I think it's a wait and see, but I think you still got a win-win situation, right? I mean, you, yeah, I feel like Demetrius Johnson is getting everything he pro- probably wanted. Um, he, he showcased very well again in his last fight. So I feel like one championship is getting what they wanted, and they weren't going to get any more fights out of Ben Askren. And I feel like the UFC obviously just built a main event on a pay-per-view based on Masvidal over the same thing we just talked about by beating Askren. So I feel like they're getting all of the stuff that they wanted, and they're monetizing it and all that. So if you're just talking about the promotions, I feel like it's, it's, it's a win-win for those guys. All right, big fight for Askren. Big opportunity to show his mental toughness. When you endure a, a loss this badly, this devastating, this embarrassing, if you will, yeah. and, it, and it was, you certainly are worried you from this. You eat a lot of crow when you go down. You eat a lot of crow. <laughs> You're certainly worried from this side how he responds to that. Yeah. I'll, I'll say his words after have been strong. Him coming out and saying, look, like, I didn't suffer lingering damage from this. I sort of just woke up and didn't know what happened. Right. I sort of got lucky from that. I'm fairly confident from that standpoint that Askren has the mental toughness to be able to dodge yes, this bullet, to, so to, to absorb and come back from this. If it comes down to simply nothing lingering from the past, we start fresh against Damian Maya. 
I think this is a matchup I, I think he so could too. and should win. How much do you think, though, Maya's got left in that tank? Because every time I want to write him off, I wanted to write him off after Abu Dhabi, dude. Man. Every time you want to write him off, he's got that just a little bit Abu of reinvention. Dhabi. You're going way back. Uh, I've done this too. I've sat and I've been like, well, Maya can't. And I was 41 years old. He's going to, he's going to turn 42, and he's on a two-fight winning streak again. So I, I don't really know, man. I'm waiting for that decline. But it's almost like he shows you new wrinkles even in his stand-up. And he's incorporated over time his, that wrestling like as part of his base to get it into his world of the grappling jiu-jitsu. It's just he's, a, he's one of the quiet cerebral types in this game. Like he, he puts it together in the right way. So... I'm not putting it past him that he goes in there and does the same thing to Askren, but I, you, at some point, that's got to slow down, right? I feel like you're wondering. Seen- uh, this fight, though, it's weird when you get two uh, elite, and in these cases, yeah. like all-time great grapplers, right? I mean, and that's yeah. not crazy to call Ben Askren an no, all-time no, no. great uh, MMA wrestler. It can cancel each other out. We've seen yes. that many times. I mean, how many times can we watch Phil Davis and Ryan Bader and not uh, yeah. it stick objects into our eye sockets? But uh, in this case. Is this going to be the ultimate nerd Super Bowl of... Maybe. Uh, is uh, all it these ADCC fans going to rock out with Luke there and enjoy this? Considering that's the best fight on the... Like, so it's the main event, and really there's not a lot else on this yeah. card. I hope it doesn't pan out that way, because it would seem like, you know, just such a dull event at that point. But I could see that happening, man. Well, the only, I'd say that there's major intrigue, though, when it does go to the ground. At least at first. If, you, if a pattern develops and you just see that it's going to go that way for 15 or 25 minutes, whatever it is, it's a 25-minute fight, right? Yes. Five, if, it, if you see the pattern emerge, it's like, at that point, it'll be boring. But I feel like the first time you go to the ground, there will be a lot of intrigue there. It's going to be interesting. Breakfast yeah. at Wimbledon here. Uh, breakfast oh, yeah. in uh, Singapore. At, uh, ADCC style. Have a drink on me. Get stoned. Great song. Back in black. Come on, you know where I'm going with that Yes, one. I do. Hey, by the way, speaking of uh, morning combat merch, how about that hat with the old MK Ultra logo on top there, right? Maybe mm. we can go into business together? Yeah. Maybe, you know, if we get that, get that up there. Grease his palms. Grease, oh. grease it up there. <laughs> All right, uh, let's shift on. And we had plenty of topics this week outside of the ring, outside of the cage in combat sports that really seem to dominate the headlines. I don't want to go long on all of them here, but I want to sort of hit up mm. an unfortunate news in the boxing world as 27-year-old junior middleweight Patrick Day died and succumbed to the injuries he suffered inside the ring on that DAZN undercard more than a week ago against unbeaten Charles Conwell. Passes away due to brain injuries. The real larger connective tissue story here, Chuck, unfortunately, is this is the third yes. death in boxing in three months. We had two in the same week with Hugo Santillian in July and Maxim Dadashev, the, mm-hmm. the uh, top-ranked prospect there. Um, Day who I unfortunately mispronounced his, his uh, first name last week. Patrick Day, New York product. Everyone loves him. All the heartfelt uh, honors coming out his way. Luke and I hit up at length last mm-hmm. week the whole sort of how do you deal with this as a fan, as a journalist, being complicit in the danger of the sure. sport. How does the sport deal with this? How should the sport deal with this? It, ring deaths in boxing are not new. This has no. been around for a long time. The whole idea of the dangers of this sport are not new. True. When you do have three and three months, it's a little bit more of a wake-up call. I feel like boxing can end up being, a cer- to a certain degree, like the NFL. The more you try to protect the inevitable yeah. in a compact sport like this, the more it stops being boxing. I'm not sure outside of regulations what else you can do inside the ring. You know what you're getting into. It just... It's tough, man. I it's a tough question, and it's going to keep happening. It will, it will inevitably happen. It has happened for his, all through history. It'll happen in MMA. It will happen at some point, you know, for, the, for in the UFC probably at some point. It's just one of those things you can't really gauge it. I didn't watch the fight live, but I went back and watched it because you get intrigued if you're going to be able to see something about 
you know, just the demeanor, or if it was, if it, is he showing signs, but he didn't really show signs. Did you watch the fight? I did, and uh, I also saw that letter Conwell wrote afterwards yeah. to uh, his opponent while he was, was in the hospital. I but uh, it, again, to your point, it wasn't one of those insane no. all-time wars. You know, when when the uh, Magomed Abdusalamov, the heavyweight, yeah. had that incident uh, in New York. You know, I was at that fight in the last couple rounds. I remember going, right. "Come on, we got to stop this. What is there to gain right. at this point?" The fact that all three of these deaths come from fighters that are 27 and younger. Oh. This wasn't somebody lingering on too long. It's look. Deontay Wilder, the heavyweight, the WBC heavyweight champion, always says it best, says it in so many interviews that, you know, a doctor told him early in his career, you're not meant to be punched in the head. We're not designed yeah, for right. that. Well. But, but, but this sport endures. I'd, I'd, the problem is there's no way to put a, a, yeah. a positive spin on it. There's nothing positive no. about it. There's, we're all complicit in going on to the next it week's is. fight and praying for a war, right? This is, what, this is how a lot of us get hooked. Yes. The excitement, the opportunity for the human spirit to overcome in, in, within drama, in the fires of hell inside that ring. Part of what makes fighting profound is that possibility. It is the truth. They go hand in hand. The fact that these guys are staking their lives out there when they go, you know, when they go fight, I never lose respect for these guys ever. You know, it keeps you grounded in what you're watching. It keeps your respect level pretty high. But I think that that danger element is actually part of what makes people tune in. I it really is. do. It's a it's a horribly tragic thing when you see something like that. But it's the fact that it that's even a possibility. I think is part of the. I, I don't want to say exhilaration, but you know what I mean. It's part of the strange allure of when you when you watch a fight. You just know that these guys are putting their lives on the line. Which is a crazy thing to, to do in sport, you know? Well, I don't have an in-ring fix, and I don't necessarily want an in-ring fix that would alter the sport in a way to protect it. Let's not forget, though, when you hear the stories about the champions 70, 80, 100 yeah. years ago, they're like, they fought a 44-round fight, and they were victorious. We look at that as sort of the Man. dark ages from the standpoint of rules and fighter sure. safety. I wonder, 25 years from now, whether we'll look at now, yeah. whether certain rule changes will come. I mean, look at even in football, you know, going helmet to helmet. Now it's just sort of like yeah. taboo and outlaw. You'd never do it. How we, much we tailor to make these guys as strong and powerful as possible. These athletes are completely different over the uh, now. It's, it's crazy. You know? It's humbling. Yeah. And uh, that wasn't the only news this week. We also, of course, had uh, unbeaten unified welterweight champion Errol Spence had that unfortunate car crash. 3 a.m. in Dallas. Man. Flips his Ferrari multiple times. Gets thrown from the vehicle. We find out after the fact... He gets charged with DWI, and here's the video. Footage. This is as scary and humbling as possible. Uh, certainly the narrative was was how miraculous this was. Yeah. Spence ejected from the vehicle, a guy who's on the verge of breakout stardom, back-to-back yeah, -back pay-per-view main event opportunities, really one of the pound-for-pound -pound best of the sport. And it was, wow, this is a miracle. In fact, he had put on his uh, Instagram page in a now-deleted comment being like, no broken bones, I'm a savage. Then you find out bad look, the news of the DUI. Um, I mean, we don't. There's nothing really to say here. Yeah. I just hope this is the right wake up call for for not I just Errol so Spence, too. but that other first, fighters, so, all of us. That Instagram post wasn't it Instagram, was whatever on social Live media. Instagram, yeah. When he says something like that, though, you're like, oh, because you, you you want the lesson to be that because he's a young cat, man. He's got the world. Of, but it, there's that sheen of invincibility that he still sure. has. You want to see that in the ring. You don't want to see that when you know out in this situation because he's very mortal. And he's very lucky. It's crazy because, you know, you have a guy who, like we mentioned, the, the, the potential for stardom, the potential yeah. to be the pound-for-pound pound king. It could have been gone. His life, it could have been gone with just his career being taken away. And he comes out with just basically yeah. scratches. Hopefully this is the – I don't know where he's at mentally in terms of wanting to get back into yeah. the ring or if or when, but – this gives them the opportunity to, to They were to really, supposed to fight in January, right? Like he was so There was talks of a Danny Garcia fight, yeah. So that we'll, sucks, we'll see where that goes from here. Uh, UFC side, Conor McGregor is only in the news for bad things lately. Now we have, from the New York Times report, a second sexual assault 
uh, allegation against him through a publicist. McGregor has denied it. Uh, Habib Nurmagomedov goes on Twitter through a translated one and basically calls him a rapist why again. Does he, why does he even have to go on? Uh, so here we are. <laughs> yeah. Chuck, if I would have told you uh. November 2016, right? New York City? Yeah. UFC 205? Uh. Conor McGregor, Eddie Alvarez? McGregor caps now. off one of the most insane years in combat sports Couldn't history. Couldn't be bigger. Couldn't be bigger. Couldn't be a bigger star Talking financially. Top of the world wants to be an owner. Suffers his first UFC defeat and runs it back in dramatic fashion. Yeah. And if I would have told you then that three years later, he would have one fight, a dominant title loss. Yeah. And I, you know, you could take the, the Floyd fight and either add it to this or just throw it out the window because it's not UFC. But just that we go three years and the biggest star in the sport would have one fight and would be embroiled in this much consistently bad headlines. Yeah. The, the the punch of the old fella at the bar that he's gonna uh. have to gonna have to deal with there. Um I'm 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 sick of it. Yeah. When will the public <laughs> be sick of it? Should the public be I, sick I of it? I think they are I mean, sick of it. How bad is this for his brand overall and consuming everything that's happened lately? I mean, it's it's on brand with his brand at this point because whenever he whenever I hear his name now, I feel like there's this dark cloud. There, it's it's kind of the reversal of fun, right? Like he had his first part of his career was this vicarious thrill for anybody watching it, his country, you know, everybody else. It was fun, and he was living up to a nickname of the Notorious. Now he spent the last few years trying to live it down, but he just keeps making it worse, and it actually becomes more of a profound type of situation. But he, he's a human spiral right now, man. I, these you, these things, hear, I mean, he may never fight again at this point. And you hear reports like every other, well, he's going to fight Frankie Edgar, he's going to fight Justin Gaethje, he's not going to fight at I all. I mean, I'm tired he's of He's going to fight Habib. I mean, it's, it's getting to the point where we're all sick of it. All of us who do podcasts, and you do a great one on The Athletic, The Man and the Myth. The Man and the Myth, With, yeah. with Sean Alshadi. Yeah. A good guy right there, Sean Alshadi. Very man. talented guy. Um, uh, my combat, state of combat podcast, I mean, look, every week it's the same thing. Is he coming back? Who should he fight? When should, like, I'm just so sick of that at this point. I know. Simultaneously, you got Dana White and Connor kind of having a public war in which Dana says now, Connor's not the man anymore. Habib's the man. Mm. You saw the response on Twitter from Connor that Ouch. sort of attacked Dana. Uh, <laughs> does he have a point? I get yeah, what he's saying. I and think he, he does. And you certainly have to believe it's fueled by negotiation issues of Connor putting his brand. Right. I'm believing it's at this point. Dana hoping and wanting sure. it to be at this point. Well, Dana's a pretty smart guy on how he manipulates the situation. I mean, Habib's you know? calling the shots, but are, are we getting to the point where Habib is a bigger brand than him? Um, I don't think so. Not yet. I think that there's an inertia that's part of the McGregor thing. So if he does sign on to fight, all the people will just get back in. All the casual audience will tune back in. I think. There is a little bit of a question mark there, but I think that that will be the case. I don't really think that uh, Nurmagomedov Madoff is at that space yet. Every day that goes by, though, it gives you less you. confidence, less care, and less confidence that Connor can come back and be that guy because staying active is so key. Even it if is. you're not fighting it's killers, huge, man. staying active People and forget, being there. Do you know how fast the, the fight world goes? I mean, it's just every weekend there's a, you literally start to get buried. People don't remember even the profound nature of how you connected with I them. just said three years ago was the idea. I know. First We're coming up on three years of that. He's, it's, he's it's, losing it's, a lot of that vitality. It's, really it's, it's insane. Uh, Boxing Hall of Famer Oscar De La Hoya also has this, uh, similar allegations in which Golden Boy Promotions put out a statement ugly, refuting man. it. It's, it's ugly. Also, we've got MMA manager Ali <laughs> Abdelaziz, who sometimes is in hot water, getting banned so from weird. the PFL playoffs moving forward due to a backstage fight with manager Abe Cow. Like, Abe I don't care. It's on brand for Ali in a way with like the, <laughs> he's got his own notorious oh thing going. God. Does this, does this tickle anything on you? Not really. 
it's it, the fight game periphery is always fun though, right? Like because there's all kinds of we the, want outlaws. You're in, the, you're in the fight world. We want man. everybody to be an outlaw. Exactly, right? and there, the fringe element is what makes it so fun because there's all these people who are off the hook. I feel like Ali is right in there with the, the crazies in this game, and of course the Kawas are like these big time managers. So. Only in the sense of a peripheral thing. Like, so, you know, if Bruce Buffer got in a fight, you'd be interested. You know, it's just like that. But uh, Bruce Buffer, just, Joe Martinez, who you got? That just way, kidding, yeah. just kidding. All right, all right. Let's <laughs> let's hit up some boxing to close out our big headlines of the week. And in Philadelphia over the weekend on ESPN, you had a light heavyweight Super Bowl title unification bout. Two unbeatens, Artur Betrebiev, the Russian fighter who fights out of Montreal against Ukrainian Alexander Vodzik. And this was Betterbeev entering beast mode. Chuck, you better believe it. Late <laughs> stoppage. But this was a fight where just signing it at this point in their careers was both guys going all in and yeah. wanting to be great. And in the victory, of course, by the way, you had better be becoming the lineal champion as well. But the manner in which this yeah. fight played out, this was a chess match back and forth, but a physical one. And it was Betterbeev who had knocked Vodzik out 10 years yeah. earlier in the amateurs, acted like the bully throughout. Yeah dealt with the adjustments that the marksman, the craftsman that, that Vodzik was doing and just had something else for him at every turn. Chuck, you don't know how great somebody can be until they're forced to. Yeah. And I think with, with Better Beef, we knew his name. Yeah. He'd won a world title. He'd been blowing through guys. But he'd been going through the political scuffle where it was hard for him to stay consistent and get big fights. When he got pushed to another level by Vodzik and had to be great, he showed you suddenly who he really yeah. is. He's going to be 35 in a few months. Mm -hmm. So it's not like he snuck up on us out of nowhere. But the idea that he's potentially a pound-for-pound pound threat yeah. did, how impressed were I you? I see him showing up on this already. I was pretty impressed. I, I tell you what, his power is ridiculous. Because even the, like, even the dirty boxing, the inside stuff, he's still mashing through the vines, man. Like, he's going right in there, and you can see. And it, I felt like you could feel the frustration you know, going on in that fight because the, he was just getting manhandled in there. You know what I mean? So to me, man, that was a it was a hell of a showing, and I'll be paying attention I mean, to that. Cat. Anything Vodzik would do to yeah. adjust, and he did such a great job. Yeah. And he ended up in the hospital for two days with a concussion afterwards. Yeah, uh, it's pretty late. You know, Better Beef had the. I, I didn't know Better Beef had the twelve round championship stamina. I didn't know he had the craft to go with the bullying and the big power punching. Fifteen and zero with fifteen KOs. Never would have guessed that this is a guy who I voted this week number 10 pound for pound yeah. and that we're talking That's about as a star. Up. And you look at this division now. we got Dimitri Bivol, the mm -hmm. WBA he champion. It, right? He wants it. He wants that would fight. have to be a dual network thing because Bivol fights for DAZN, but everybody seems to want it. And then you got Canelo yeah. and Kovalev for that fourth belt. Now but look, the new Kovalev or the old one? <laughs> I mean, Canelo's got Canelo's yeah. got a, what? What the guy in Major League Two say? Uh, uh, you know the yeah. you know what you know the, the the Japanese guy. You know who I'm talking about? The <laughs> I guy do know who you're talking about. The wall. Yeah, uh, he's got big ones. Yeah, <laughs> but I don't think I don't think. He, they yeah. are that big, nor should they be that yeah. big. I think if Canelo beats Kovalev on November second in a fight, you got to see. Yeah. He's just going to lay that thing down and of course. say, "Hey, Canelo's we, not going to go." Baby. We had a, we had a great run here at one seven five. Betterbeev, it's all yours. Although another big payday for Kovalev, right? If he somehow beats Canelo. <sighs> This division, I would, is, I mean, it's yeah, funny. It's, it's, look, this division hadn't had an identity. Remember, yeah. it was Kovalev, it was Adonis Stevenson kind of yep. hijacking it and never fighting each other. Now we got some business. Now yeah. we got some fun. I know there's European names hard to I pronounce. I love when boxing gets like this. Uh, but but get, get used to saying better beef, okay? Get better used to beef. it. Okay. Be, I know Luke better says beef. better beef. Uh, whatever. <laughs> what do you, you got to trust him. What do you He's think Luke's drinking down there? Oh, my God. Pepto-Bismol. Probably. Yeah, probably. <laughs> probably in a, in a jail right now. All right, all right, we'll leave that at that. Uh, that's it for your headlines for the week. We want to hear from you now. It's DM for Donks time. DM from Donks, 
Is that where we're going with this? DMs from Donks. All right. Thank you very much. Uh, we appreciate you watching, sending in your questions, your feedback on our Instagram channel. Please subscribe there as well. Let's hit it up with the first one from at Johnny underscore Rockets underscore. Yeah, mm. that's, that's, that's a great name there. A great spelling <laughs> on Poirier. With, Poirier, with, uh, with uh, Dustin Poirier and Justin Gage G both waiting for the money fight, mm. Dan who do you like for lightweight Dan Hooker next? Chuck, I'll Stop, let you man. play Sean Shelby. I, pretty impressive stuff against Iaquinta, right? I feel like he needs a top five type of He's guy. I, I wouldn't mind the Paul Felder. I wouldn't mind seeing a Paul Felder fight. That, Felder is coming off a win, right? He's coming off a win. He was just fought in Abu Dhabi. I think that that would be, you know, they're similar. I think they're in the similar position. So he just he's coming off the Barboza win. Yeah. This is the deepest, most dangerous division. But Hooker has really sort of put himself like I'm ready yeah. for that top five level. That's, I think that's he great is matchmaking. Too. That's yeah. a hell of a fight. Well, they both kind of are in the same space. They're not going to get a, a title shot. But I feel like you put them, it wouldn't necessarily be a title eliminator, but I think it could be if you wanted it to be. Well, I know? think when you have a division this deep, there are levels to title yeah. elimination. There are, yeah. there are, you know, get into that top five, get into that it's top true. three, get in the bullpen mm-hmm. waiting, and then get into it's that Tony deep, Ferguson. It's as deep now as it's way, ever been. Speaking of lightweights, did you see Tony Ferguson today, this morning on, on Twitter, telling John Jones, I'll move up two weight divisions and fight... Um, what? I bet Jones would be into that one. He'd be like, sure, let's yeah, try Yeah, let's it. get another smaller star. <laughs> all right, Donks, what do you Did he do it got? in all caps? Tony's, Tony's. Yes, Tony was all in right, all caps good. on there. All right, from at Mikey Lachey. Okay. Is that Nick Lachey's boy there from uh, 98 Degrees? See, 98 Degrees of the, of the 90s, late 90s, 2000s boy bands, which there wasn't a lot of masculinity coming out of those three or four groups. I thought 98 Degrees uh, had, a, had an edge of cool factor to them, right? Because I'm not going so, to vouch for Backstreet, NSYNC. Uh, who was the fourth one? Um, uh, NSYNC, Backstreet Boys. Who's the first one? New Kids on the Block. I was thinking of Yes, the fourth one I'm thinking of was the one that came out of the MTV reality show. You know what I'm talking about. O-Town. Thank you, Jay, there in my ear. Wow. And by the way, <laughs> whoever, whatever listener put hashtag FJ as one of our comments oh. last week, Jay, Jay's feelings felt that. Um, O-Town, not too manly either. Look, we have a account. This wow, is awesome. All right. Well, so Nick Lachey's boy, cool. let, let me hit up See, his See, they could here. make a drinking game out of this now. Uh, this is what I want. Hey, it's, this is what I want. It's Ashley Parker <laughs> Angel, yes. Went, went solo, by the way. I can vouch for a solo album. I went pretty <laughs> deep on those weeds. Wow. Wow, yeah, there is a three-drink minimum on this show. All right, let's check. Jay, enough getting you in the spotlight here. Let's let's find out what Mikey Lachey had to say, okay? Oh, wait, it's fine. There it is. Chuck, love the love hat. Love the hat, big. I'm a big fan of Macy Barber, but hate the PB, PVZ fight. Who do you think would be a good option for her with a bigger challenger to set that stage on the UFC Boston undercard over the weekend? Macy Barber had a, had kind a of all about destructive first round, first round knockout for her? Uh... Yes, I believe so. I forgot. Who I she, believe so. I, for, I forgot who she fought. She Jillian stole. She stole the headlines. Yes, uh, Robertson. Yes, there you go. Calls out Paige Van Zandt afterwards, big time. Sure. This is a shallow division there at a, at a UFC women's flyweight. It's smart though, right? It's, like it's, I feel like this is a smart call out. I mean, she should want that fight. I feel like Paige Van Zandt has a name, and probably somewhat of a um, a factor in there that people probably want to see her humbled a little bit. Let's just put it like that. So I feel like Macy's kind of setting herself up for a uh, for something that she feel like she's that's in line the, with the public's. That's idea. the ultimate. I'll 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 take your I'll take the fight and I'll take your fans. Yes, that. Like, right. That's a big opportunity for Macy there. I mean, uh, she should come out and say, "I'll smash your girl." She Anytime somebody's smash. like, you know, I make more my, most of my money on Instagram posts. I think that then that person becomes the target for somebody like Macy, right? 
Instagram's a wild place, <laughs> right? Is. You having any uh, relationships with any female fighters' Instagram accounts right now? Uh, relationships? Yeah. <laughs> I think I have to unfollow. I don't know if I would Okay, we'll do that. Uh, classify in, uh, that way. All right, DMs. Oh, comment here from Andrew Garosby. Uh, Carson Daly versus Brian. Carson ooh, Daly ooh. is washed right oh, now. Oh, you I could, would take, you'd I would, blast him. I would take him down. I would take him right downtown. There aren't right? a lot of people I'd favor you against, but I wow, would favor you wow, in that okay. one. Oh, <laughs> okay. All right, all right. I got the dad bod going on here these days. Okay, thank you very much. We got any more donks coming at us? Come on, bring it. Bring the heat, all right? From at Pastor Blinn. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm a man of the cloth there. He says, is the jump from 185 <laughs> to 205 just too big of a gap for fighters going up? Is there something to be said for a 195 division? It seems to make just as much sense as the 165 mm. at this point in time. He's talking about the gap between middleweight and yeah. light heavyweight. It's always been there. It's always been big. The only problem, I think, with the, with the 195 is that the 205 division typically doesn't have a lot of people in it. There aren't a lot of new challengers, and I feel like we've been in that spot for a long time now. You wonder if that would deplete it that much further. I feel like the 205 would just be like a ghost town at that point. That's fair. That's fair. I, I want to get away from this. I even want to get away from the 165 title, even though I love the idea yeah. of taking two BMFers or taking two names that aren't in the lightweight or, or welterweight title picture and matching them up, which we've had a lot of these, yeah. these uh, you know, ideas for that. The reason why I don't want to do it is because I've lived in boxing. I am yeah. boxing. Boxing sucks. Boxing does not get out of its own way. Boxing has 17 weight classes. I know, man. They have four. That is the problem. And then they have four recognized sanctioning bodies who put out their own champions for per weight class. And then you have the WBA who puts out upwards of three One champions of per weight class, per whatever. Greatest psychological like connection between the UFC and its fans was accessibility. Like you could pay attention to a UFC fight on any given weekend and understand exactly it would be a great entry point. You would yes. understand exactly what the stakes are, who has the belt. It's very simple. I feel like I agree with you 100%. The interim belts and all that stuff, and you know, you get a lot of that going on. It's complicated, but it gets more complicated the more divisions you add, well, especially when you have people kind of bouncing around. This is what Dana White missed when he got super crazy angry at the media before and after the Atlanta card in April with the Adesanya Gastelum fight and another seemingly unnecessary interim title. His, you know, idea was you guys don't understand. They're next in line. This is making them fight harder. This means we get a five-round fight. All that yeah. stuff's great, and when you get fights that great. Holy sure. crap, yeah. it makes sense. But it's us who have watched boxing are going, no, this is the wrong direction to go. Considering that Dana and the Fertitas, who saved the UFC and made it what it is today, did so by essentially saying, we're boxing fans, we love boxing, yeah. we hate the mistakes that boxing is making, yes. let's build up this new fighting organization being everything that boxing exactly. isn't. So no, I don't need a 195 title, I don't need a 165. Yeah. I, you know, We always think in boxing, if we go back to the glory days of eight divisions, to your point, everyone knows who the champions are. Yeah. That's how you make stars. Yep. That's how you make fights that people need to see. Not 17 divisions, not four champions or seven champions per division. Not every televised fight has to be for some BS yeah. regional belt. We don't need it. Hey, WBC, I don't need a Mayan title, all right? Shout out to the Mayans. I don't need a. Uh, I don't need anything, okay? Get, get off my property, get off my lawn, mm. and whoever that guy was, the Pastor Blinn. God bless you. Yeah. No 195 title. All yeah. right, get it out of here. Next question. This is the first time I've agreed with you. Next question, <laughs> all right? We're live, guys. We're live. Next question, all right? <laughs> At Danny Kelly 064, which five active fighters, excluding Masvidal okay. and Nate Diaz, oh, are currently on your BMF list? This is a fun category. If you were making a BMF pound-for-pound -pound list, 
I think they're all going to linger probably around that lightweight welterweight 165 area, area that we're talking about, but just on the, under the spirit of BMF. Jeez. Who else is on that? Justin Gage is, is Gage has got to be because right he's kind of gangster like that. Maybe Cerrone? I mean, that was what made that yes. fight fun. Yes. Like, because those dudes uh, don't have any Fs to give it. I feel like those, those guys would be there. I'm trying to think, though. I feel like there's a couple of guys like that. Like Tony the Matt Ferguson Browns is a star world, you know? who has the BMF yeah. personality. Matt Brown is another great pick. Yeah, these guys, I'm trying to think of guys like that. Um, I don't know. Like, I think Brian Ortega has a little bit of BMF hmm. in him, although he's more of a glossy, title-challenging, potential superstar training Halle Berry for a movie. I wonder if he smashed. you got to wonder. you got to at least wonder, right? you gotta, you got to think about it, all right? the cats who have the chance, I'm sure he's the... I, mean, I know when you, when you were on the six-leg <laughs> oh, like J-Lo on the train on the way in, you're thinking he's about that, right? He's a pretty man, you know? I'm sure. Wow, he's, wow, he's, he's, he's not struggling. Do you know what I hate when... I saw when, that photo where like, I was Brett say, Okamoto put Another out, pretty yeah. man, Brett Okamoto. Shout out yeah. on his re-sign. It's his birthday today. Shout out on his re-sign with ESPN. Posted that picture of Ortega shirtless with the hair in the back, you got a little confused there, right? <laughs> it's like when the lights go out at a club, you're just... You're he's, just not, he's not even confused. You know, you're just, it's, he it's, knows it's, who it's he like is. a blind man at an orgy. You're just feeling around, you know what I mean? Where were we? All right. So, uh, yeah, I, I like I like those picks. Uh, you got to have a little gangster to you, though, right? You got to have Perry. An, an edge. Mike Perry is gangster, is a BMFer, yes. Yeah. I mean, guys like that, that's who, like, when you think of the, the, what the spirit of this thing is, I, I think... Ray Carruth, yeah. Ray Carruth. Oh, too soon, too soon. All right, oh, all right, too all soon, right. it'll, too it'll never be too late. Never be too, it'll never happen. All right, is that it for Donks? No, at Quizzle 93 what should Duran Wynn's next move be? Duran Wynn, of course, the former yeah. Golden Boy MMA star, protege of Daniel Cormier, mm-hmm. lost at UFC Boston over the weekend, split decision loss, missing weight in a division where the average fighter is around 5'10 to 6'1", while being 5'7 and taking an L. Who did That's he fight? Tough. Do you remember who he fought? It was uh, a, this uh, last one? It was a split decision loss on Saturday. I forgot uh, the fellow that he, that he, that he lost to. <sighs> this is great. It's just, it's just you know, well-researched here. Anyway, Deron Wynn's got an issue in that he's this big, okay? He's a tough fighter. <laughs> he's in the gym with DC. Did you like having DC on commentary with his boy? I didn't really like that. Yeah, that was weird. Back was in the weird. day, you know, if Roy Jones was on and he yeah. had a guy, he was tra- he'd step That's away. That's always you know? going to be the problem, though, with the guys, you know, like DC and these guys. You know, there's, there's a lot always, of cross pollination. Yeah, there's going to be there. some of that. I don't know what he should do, man, because I thought he was, I thought he was pretty well placed. Um, I, I was hoping this wouldn't happen because I know he's a bigger guy, but uh, I think he should stay there. Maybe get on, like, try to get down a little earlier. I, I think his best bet is still in the division he's in. I, I would. Problem is, he looks like a welterweight. Kind of reminds me of. Uh, uh, he he does, but he I don't know Tyson if he can get Griffin. down there. Yeah. He was stout. He had a big, thick dude, yeah, yeah. yeah. But he was short. He was very yeah. stout, yeah. Um, He's kind of like DC Mini-Me, right? Yeah, he is. Um, yeah. I, I think I'd, ra- I'd like to see him exactly where he's at another time, and, and if uh, if he doesn't make weight or whatever the case is, then I guess you can always make a run at that Golden yeah. Boy Open weight title. You know? Yeah. <laughs> if they come back again. All right, that's DM from Donks this week. Please continue to let your voice be heard and send it in. But, Chuck, this is a debut time for you in my oh, favorite segment. Yeah. Chuck Mindenhall, have you seen this shit? Because, <laughs> Chuck, we're combing the desert, all right? And we have found this shit. Let's hit it up. Number one, Chuck, right. from this weekend. BKFC8, bare knuckle, Bigfoot Silva against Wash Gabe Gonzaga. Oh, my God. Wow, the Bigfoot is down and he is out. Chuck, it's a disturbing rite of passage these days. Like the mi- a, fl- like mi- a f- <laughs> the migration of glove down to the now they're wearing shoes, so it's like <laughs> yeah. You know when a when a forty year old dad gets divorced, he's automatically got to get like the ponytail on the sports car. I feel like every washed UFC guy is like, you know what? I got to finish my career by donating my soul to this bare knuckle crap. Like I mean, uh, I, I, this doesn't move me. So sad, this is man. so like. 
You know, it's one of those where you think it's a good idea coming in. I always make the reference. Have you ever had a gas station hot dog with See, cheese in the middle? Yeah. Boston, Massachusetts Turnpike, they got those with yeah, the cheese. Yeah, of course. I've had those. Streamlined in the middle. You've talked to me about these Yeah, it's before, like taking actually. a gun. It's like taking a cheese <laughs> you need a, gun. You need the counter like, if I could inject my too. veins, like, directly with cheese, just mainline them, you know how quickly I'd sign up? Sounds like a good idea. The problem is, man, that they're just, it, all these guys are retread in terms of, they've already taken such a beating through their careers. They're yeah. older. These guys, man, who wants to watch these guys get hurt at this point? I don't even think for you, the For whatever amount of money they're making. I don't even think you had armpit hair when he, when he sent uh, uh, Prokop to hell with that head kick, right? That was a long time ago. Yeah. Uh, wow. All right, get that off that my screen. Look, get it off. Get it off my screen. All right, all right. <laughs> all right. All right, uh, no, that was the one first more time. one. Get, hit me up. What's, what's the second one? Get, hit me up with the second oh, one. Oh, here we go. What's this? PFC Gladiator 6 Ooh, in Russia. Um, I went to a fight and a rave broke out. How unfair is it We're if you're this Zabit-looking guy on the ground, and during a fight the lights go out in Georgia? What the hell's what the happening hell here? Happening and by here. Georgia, I don't mean Atlanta. I mean uh, the caucus region. Um, <laughs> Is this fair? Is this legal? <laughs> is, 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 can we check his blood system for, for Molly and MDMA or whatever afterwards? I mean, it was it was TKO oh, via man. date rape jug. What's oh happening God. here, Chuck? I, I mean, this can't. The, you the, can, people are, the people are. They like it. They're, they're like bouncing to this. Show, is, this is like a night at the Roxbury, too. I mean, what? you got to get a no contest out of this, right? Oh, my God. You ever take your kids to like midnight bowling? I find this. You ever go to like midnight bowling course, and the, the lights are flashing and, and people are sticking fingers in holes? Yeah, it's really, it's a really, it's really Epilepsy. gross. All right, wow. <laughs> this segment off the rails already. Wow, we're still live? Oh, oh boy. All right, let's go to the... That uh, is bizarre footage Let's right go to there. the PFL playoffs here. I don't know this fighter's name. Couldn't find it anywhere. Look at how the coach oh, fires God. him up! This is how here? you water a guy down. Look, right back at you. Spit in oh the face, God. Chuck. I just spit in your face with excitement right there. You didn't even see it. Wow, let's see the skin. That is... You know, it kind of reminds me of like old school carny wrestling bullshit. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like Luke wouldn't allow this here, but... It, it is! It's a throwback to Hornswoggle and Mini Boogeyman. There it is. Mini Boogeyman puts the uh, worms in his face. Hornswoggle comes back with the green mist. You gotta love this stuff right here. <laughs> Come on, there's gotta be part of your soul. That, oh, that, 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 I do love this. I do love oh, this very God. much. Shout out to the uh, the great Muta. Did it great with the mist, right? You should have warned me that? that we were gonna be looking at this stuff. Wow, yes. <laughs> it's very Asian to do the mist. I don't know where he, this Irish man gets off doing it, but shout out to Hornswoggle right there. Wow, great footage. Look at that. Man. Look at that. I don't want my corner man doing that to me, though, you know? All right, That's, we're going uh, to uh, Brazil for the next one at the okay. future MMA 9 card. Ooh. Jonas Speed, Bill Harinho, oh. after a three-year MMA break. Do you remember? This was the guy Jose Aldo used oh, to yeah. mimic Conor McGregor. Running knee, shades of Andy Silva oh, and Michael Lord. Bisping. Somebody's going to lose an eye with that oh. kind of knee strike there. He's and look at the care and compassion afterwards. Look at immediately that. Immediately concerned. A man with those kind of back that tats. Look at the, look at the love he's there, showing man. afterwards. He's folding wow. over on himself. That was bad. Wow. He looks like he's already out. He's yeah, backing he's up out. there, man. Look at three years away from the game, though. I mean, Wow. You, yeah. You Impressive. Think, you think Mick Maynard's watching this? I mean, come on. <laughs> I'm sure he is watching this. By the way, He's when, watching this show. They, they could have stopped the fight when Silva hit that knee on Bisping, right? Yeah. I think he got screwed on the cards, too. Yeah. Speaking of Silva <laughs> and getting screwed, I know I told the story before. Do you think it's weird... When Anderson Silva opened up that L.A. dojo for a while yeah. and was selling his clothing line, that his PR people reached out to me and said, hey, we'd love to have you come yeah. to L.A., sit with Anderson, get an interview. And then in, in fine print at the bottom, it said, Anderson would love if you brought your spouse, too, for the workout. You told me this before, it's and so I still weird. find that... 
This is like indecent this, proposal. I, remember we were talking about the the weird periphery of what's going on in the sport, man. There I are mean, some dark... I get me coming to the gym, right? And they were like, you can roll with him, <laughs> you can wear his workout stuff, but sure, bring your wife if you want to. I got shade. I got call back to a '90s movie. Though. That's that's normal. You it's, think it's normal? I, Brian, I back. Trust me. I back. Trust me, Brian. I back, bro. Oh, man. Remember, wow. he was buying some of those pills around that time from uh, Thailand or whatever. He was. Uh, oh, no more dick pills. Yes, dick pills, yes. Yeah. All right. So I'm just theorizing. Wow. Really. All right. Have you seen this shit? Uh, number five here. Top-ranked boxing over the weekend. Lightweight prospect Joseph Blessed Hands Adorno with the red hair. Look at this! Ooh. Sending this fella Damien. Oh, I forgot his last oh. name. This is WWE. Like, he set him up for the Rey Mysterio. Wow. 619. Look at this. Whoa. Oh, just hang out there for a while. Booyaka, Damn. booyaka. You get that like that? down there. This guy, though, good-looking prospect, 14-0, 12 KOs. He's got a brother who fought on the card. He oh, has a crazy. bunch of these highlights there. That, I that guess that's awesome. why the ropes are designed, to just, just yeah. catch carcasses. I watch, mean, the guys, just, watch the guys in the bro there. <laughs> he, almost, he almost hit the ring bell with his yeah. face there. That's, that's got to be something. Look at that. Blessed hands indeed, Chuck. I love this segment, man. Wow, wow. This is fun. All right, I got a bonus video this all right. time, all right? All right. You know when you go to a college party, you oh, know, man. you're politicking with this chicken wondering if you're going to creep her, right? <laughs> Little hood rat bee from 26 <laughs> Tanika. So, so she's like, let's put on the gloves. We're going to hang out. Oh, somebody's got a camera. Uh-oh. Oh, let's see what's going to happen. Oh, oh, she oh, took oh. your soul. <laughs> see, the problem is, Chuck, here's the problem. When Where you and she? I... When you and I were effing around she with college up, chicks, man. okay, you can take L's in the 90s because there were no cell phones, there were no MySpace or Facebook, there was none of that, I Chuck. had a feeling this was something like this. Okay, maybe the reputation would dude. follow you. Boom! Maybe you'd just never <laughs> hang out with the people in the room again, but in 2019, you take L's like this? Wow! Did you know, that's going to be the... Uh, that bastard had it coming. That guy had... Look, this purple shirt jerk, look at this guy. Look at the guy with the uh, Crocs and the socks right there. How are we, how are we oh looking past God. that? Wow. Look at this left hook from hell, though. Tuck in the chin. Boy, she's just wow. she was setting him up. She was setting wow. him up. <laughs> Cucked and loaded. Brought it on that guy. Well, look at those people <laughs> living it up in the back. I could have just watched that on a loop for the rest of the show oh there. Oh, wow. Okay, all right. Hey, we always close this show with, uh, wow, I don't think I can recover from that. I think I need a, yeah. uh, I need a cigarette or something here. <laughs> um, we always close this show with odds and ends, Luke. I mean, uh, Chuck, mm-hmm. filling in for Luke, do you want to go first on this? Uh, sure. Uh, what do you got this week? You know, I, uh, I thought it was awesome that Wiley Zhang, who now has the belt, is being asked about Joanna Yen Jacek, who just won her fight, and obviously a lot of people think that that should be the fight. She doesn't really want it. She would rather fight Rose Nami Yunus, she said, or uh, Valentina Shevchenko. And I think I, I love this type of justice when the shoe's on the other. It's you, like you know, instant karma. It's like it's like instant karma yeah. because... Yen Jacek herself told uh, the Eurobash guys in one of the podcasts that she turned down a Wiley Zhang fight three different times. So I love it when it gets uh, when it when it switches gears like this, and then the other person won't allow it to happen yeah, or doesn't want it to happen. Here's what I really think, though. I think that uh, Wiley Zhang actually wants that fight. I just think that she's kind of giving her a little bit of her own medicine. The, the more I, the more little taste we get of Wiley, yeah, of Wiley Zhang's personality, a, yeah. there, there's there's something there. I mean, yeah, she's I not talked just, to her last week. She's a, there's a little bit of an ornery side going on too. there. Yeah, she, she is. She, she brought yeah, her hands. I was the like, gun show yeah. is indeed there. Um, I got two pieces of boxing coming up this weekend. Look. Boxing, we talked about how unorganized it is. It's hard to get the best to fight the best. Dazone have been doing something special with this World Boxing Super Series mm-hmm. tournament that had been going on the last couple of years. We have the final Saturday in England of the 140 bracket. Unification fight, unbeaten Regis Progray, unbeaten Josh Taylor. Winner will have control of that 140 division, trying to set up a long-range fight with Jose Ramirez, one of the other champions mm-hmm. there. This is a damn good fight that we have to see. I think it's on in the afternoon in, in, uh, in England. Program beaten, managed by uh, Peter Berg and Mark Wahlberg. Yep. 
has this would be the the sort of breakthrough victory that he's that he's yearned. But I'll tell you this: when you're an American boxing fan, we have these stigmas of these UK guys where it's like, mm. okay, great, you're great on the domestic level. Come to the states and we'll hand you your ass. We'll, you know what I mean? We'll <laughs> exactly. we'll, 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 we'll remove yes. with your soul carefully and leave it there for you. Uh, Josh Taylor's got a backbone. Yeah. He can fight. He's got some length. It's sort of classic boxer against a puncher and Rougarou. This is going to be a hellacious fight. Can't wait for it. Okay. Also on Showtime this weekend, mm-hmm. Reading, Pennsylvania. You're not going to want to miss this. In the main event, junior well, sorry, junior middleweight prospect mm-hmm. Erickson Lubin, just 24 years old. We knew, saw him in that loss to Jermel Charlo, the first round knockout just a couple years ago. He's really rebuilt, rebuilt himself nicely. Kevin Cunningham's his trainer, the guy behind Devin mm-hmm. Alexander, a bunch of other big champions. Lubin's got the confidence back. Three straight wins by knockout. Sent. Ishe Smith into retirement. Sometimes that looks like Ishe Smith. I, I can tell that. Is that Deontay Wilder or Ishe Smith right there? Send Ishe <laughs> Smith into bare knuckle fighting. But uh, Erickson <laughs> Lubin uh, turned pro at right out of high school, was originally promoted by Mike Tyson. He's mm-hmm. really becoming a thing, a southpaw with power. He's got late replacement Nathaniel Gallimore, who's filling in for Terrell Gaucher. Even though Gaucher is more technical, Gallimore brings yep. the heat from Jamaica. This will be a fun fight. Lubin could take a step forward. Love the co-main event as well, by the way. Hard-charging Adrian Granados against Robert Easter Jr. at 140. Some good action. Lots going on, Coming man. up this Lots weekend. You got any fun weekend plans here? It's the fall. People don't realize, unless you live in New England, that the fall is like, it's, it's, it's heaven. So yeah. you gotta, you're going to... No, it's, it's the best You're going to peep some leaves, uh, turn any Probably. pumpkins into a bong. What do you got going on? Uh, you know, not too much. My son just celebrated his ninth birthday, so I think we're gonna, you know, do like a little party for time him. Time to make but him a man, that, right? Time to make him a man. What do but, they do uh, in your culture? Do they? Uh... <laughs> in your Coloradian culture, oh, there. Man. Yes, yes. Chuck, um, yeah. What is it? This thing? <laughs> Uh, it, has, it has been a pleasure, Chuck. Yeah, we, we, we did the business today. Um, Appreciate you having me. Uh, Luke, we wish you a speedy comeback from uh, South America. Enjoy the rest of your vacation. we got a fun weekend of fights ahead. I guess I won't be seeing you, Bellator, this weekend, no, but I'll be Bellator. there for Rory Lima, too. Uh, follow Chuck and myself on the social media channels you see in front of you. And please, on YouTube, subscribe. Do us that solid. We're really getting up there pushing 25K. We want to see this thing go to the next level. We want to take MK on the road. We want to, remember WWF used to have those in your house pay-per-views? Maybe we'll do morning combat in your house. You can serve me the damn (laughs) coffee, all right? But for Chuck Mindenhall, your boy BC, Brian Campbell, may all your hoes be loyal. Um, No. Uh, What did did Luke used to say? Um, Jump up, jump up and get down. Keep your hands. Keep your hands high. Yeah. (laughs) The show's over. All right. We out. We're back next Monday, 12 Eastern. Be there. You can't miss it. Look, folks, we're taking over your life. MK Ultra is retraining your brain and brainwashing you. This is combat done right. No holds barred. We're not protecting any sponsors there, although we'll take your money. Chuck, thank you for filling in. You're a member of this family. We love you. Thank you, sir. We out.